of that matter if we unable to answer why these motherfuckers clap for? Why the math be aligning when my baby sit behind me while I'm driving and that bullet pierce her window? Those niggas fucked from the get-go. That depends on who you asking. Some be praying, others fasting. Some say emphatically yes, some say shit no. I guess all life is a struggle. How you live or die determined by how you see yourself inside of that fact. But when you don't control perception and your enemies aggression, use your culture as a weapon, you accept that. Manufactured narrative and dangerous single story crackers package to disparage hate. My guest today on the Kassar, James Lindsay, CEO of Rap Snacks Inc. And hip-hop's wise intelligence of the famed rap group Poor Righteous Teachers and CEO of the Rap Snacks Foundation. In this episode, we talk about how Rap Snacks has been pouring back into the communities where they sell their products and how the company began and how it has grown and how they do it all by honoring some of hip-hop's biggest stars. You can find snacks with the likeness of such stars as Grandmaster P, Biggie Smalls, Cardi B, Migos, Trina, and more. Rap Snacks even offers ramen noodles now as one of its newest products. Through the Rap Snacks Foundation, they offer enhanced entrepreneurship programs that engage young people in communities where real opportunities are not a viable option. These programs provide financial literacy training along with other skills to help people solve social problems within their own communities. It's always easier to stay quiet, stay still, let someone else handle things. But we're living in a time of ordinary heroes. And we can all be part of the movement to promote equality, social justice, and combat racism. Rap Snacks has been hard at work for years to solve some of these societal problems. And you can too. It all starts with a conversation. Thanks for joining me. To learn more about the foundation, visit therapsnacksfoundation.org and to find out more about the products go to rapsnacks.net And thank you so much for being here with me today. Uh, I am familiar with your products. I lived in Detroit for a long time as well. And every time I go back to see my family, I make sure to bring back a big old stash <laughs> for myself. Um, but and I was that's, really that's actually uh, better made territory too, right? Better yes, made. better made. Yeah, yeah. These days, I think I've been having too many chips uh, being home. <laughs> but uh, actually, one of my favorite. Uh, flavors of you guys is the the popcorn. I love popcorn. I'm so glad you include popcorn in your brand. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. So, um, yeah, so I wanted to touch base with you guys, first of all, to talk about the company. I know a lot about the company. I've read up on it, of course. Um, but I, I wanted to really know what you're doing as far as the Boss Up program or if there's one a, a new program going on out there. But why don't we start with, at the beginning, uh, Mr. Lindsay, you were always uh, uh, someone who likes snacks and coming up with ideas. Yeah, I was, um, again, again, a kid in the inner city of Philadelphia. Um, you know, I was the kid that went to the corner stores 
in the morning before school, on during recess and after school, you know. And unfortunately, sometimes in, in the cities, you know, when you're not on the, the best of, you know, routines as far as eating habits is concerned, you know, you're going to the store, you're eating chips sometimes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll tell everybody that's kind of what kind of helped my taste buds when it came to actually snack food because I would love to put, you know, four or five bags uh, of potatoes and popcorn and all kind of things into one brown paper bag, shake it up and eat them and eat them, really. You know, so all the people was I'm destined to be in the snack food business, you know. But you know, I started working for a company uh, called uh, Warner Lambert um, with my second job out of uh, college. And I, we, I, sell, I sold half cough drops, Trident gum, you know, all this, you know, these type of confectionery items to a lot of these stores around the country. I mean, in that, in that uh, Philadelphia area. And as I was working with one of my salespeople, I started going into the stores and I kind of started noticing that in the potato chip industry, it didn't have anything that was more, you know, culturally influenced, you know, something that was kind of fun, you know, and I started doing research in the market and I found the market was like a $550 billion market on a yearly average. And as Afro-Americans and minorities in this country represent less than 1% of that business. So I kind of thought the upside was really tremendous you know, um, and in the combination of me loving snacks, was the way, that would be the best thing for me to go into. Mm-hmm. You know, so 1994, I started the brand Rap Snacks. And at that time, the culture of hip hop was really growing pretty fast, you know, and I felt like it was something that, you know, people can relate to, something that was out the box. You know, we came out with barbecue with my honey flavor, potato chips, and we came out with Back at the Ranch which is now the Dabber Ranch flavor profile right now. And uh, those two two flavors were the flagships of the company. And uh, we start, you know, selling it around the country. And I actually, um, about four four and a half years ago, we repackaged the brand and put a lot of updated artists on the bags, you know, as Amigos and um, Cardi B now is on the bag. And, you know, it started to grow, you know, social media wise where, Back when I started in 1994, we really didn't have a lot of social media engagement from people. Right. You know, so they helped accelerate our brand. You know, now our brand is one of the fastest growing in the brands in the, in the consumer product space. You know, and it's something that, you know, the kids look forward to. They look forward to getting new artists on the bags. We have Lil Baby coming out in the bags. Um, um, Yo, Yo Money Bag Yo coming. And we're also working with a couple of other artists that we think are going to be you know, even more impactful for our brand. You know, you at know, first, uh, at first, we didn't want to eat them because we thought, "Oh no, whatever, this is like just for a limited time." And then we're gonna I, bag away. You know, I think a lot of people feel that they want to collect them. Yes, yes. You know, and that's that's true too because you know when we change um, our artists out in the bag, the customers they get mad. They're like, "Why did you change that?" You know, right. you know because they're used to seeing that art associated to that item. You know. And, um, you know, I'm saying, hey, I'm changing artists because I'm changing artists as the times, you know, go and some artists are hotter than other artists. And, you know, that's what, that's what happens. But, you but, know, the, uh, good you know, thing, they, you know mm-hmm. the good thing is that you have longevity. You're here, you're sticking around. So it's not like we're looking at a limited product. And it looks like you, um, you really stuck it out. There was a time where you kind of, it kind of went dormant for a little bit, right? You, there was like something in the market. But then you came back full force, like even stronger than before, which yes. is a, a real testament to your um, 
tenacity to get keep this going. Now, getting on board with artists, you know, I know you were representing a, an artist for a few years. Did that give you the idea to really go bigger and talk to more um, artists? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, when I worked with Meek, I worked with Meek, you know, doing a lot of his um, branding and business stuff uh, for like nine years. It gave me a, a, a closer insight of, you know, of the culture, how the culture works, how you connect the brands, you know, to the artists and what and what people really like. Because, you know, mm -hmm. I, I felt like there was a need. And, you know, when I first started it, you know, 1994, I felt like there was a need, but I felt like it was a bigger need because, you know, the market was shifting. It's right. shifting more of, you know, hip hop is the number one streaming, you know, music platform in the world. Mm -hmm. So the influence and the impact every day and every year becomes even bigger, you know? And it's not like hip hop is composed of one race. It's composed of everybody, because how you look, what color you are, what religion you are, it's based on everybody, you know? Right. So you know, that, that really gave me a better understanding of what I actually had in rap songs. But, it, but it's good though that, you know, in the beginning your idea and your vision was to really uh, get get the product in the hands of people who were consuming it and seeing that this was a, a black owned company, that this was directed right. to them. It's great to see that because I know growing up, I, all, all, my, all my friends and my little sisters, their fingers were always red from eating the hot Cheetos or those hot corn chips. And it, it's good to know that the source, you know, it's coming back to the community uh, in some way, shape or form. Just okay. where the boss up program comes in, right? And that's, and that, Wise can speak to this because when we talked about creating the Boss Up program, mm -hmm. our biggest, you know, um, concern was everything is being extracted from our communities, but nothing's being put back in. So some of our programs, as Wise will talk to, will be talking to, is that how do we change that? Mm -hmm. How do we give the leverage and and start producing our own items and create that platform? to be able to sustain our own communities. So, and that's how the BASA program is uh, really came to fruition. Yeah, and so Wise, I wanna to talk to you, but before we get into that, I really wanna know more about you. You're from New Jersey, you know, your beginnings are there. You are more than a rapper, you're a you know, community leader, you're, you're out there, you, you've got a message, right? Yes, indeed. That, you know, yes, indeed. I, I would like to think so. <laughs> what impulsed you so strongly to say, hey, you know, I got to get this written down. I got to put these lyrics down. I've got to, you know, other than like, of course, every young uh, person out there who wants to obtain fame some way, right? But you, it seems to you, to me, like you had this passion and it's still there after all these years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, coming from where we come from, you, you either going to realize one or two things or both and you're going to choose and that is we're in a predicament and you know that requires our activism and our constant effort to change the uh, social reality you know um you know living in the inner cities throughout throughout america no matter where you are new jersey from new jersey philadelphia compton chicago you know uh, so from Early on, you know, when I started to realize and learn more about what was going on in the community and how it was brought to be, uh, it kind of sent me on this trajectory of uh, activism and uh, community service. You know, so um, 
Yeah, that's how it started. So it, it just it just transitioned into the lyrics. You know, um, I was there before I started rhyming. You know, sort of. You know, so yeah, that's how that's how I got there. You know, poor righteous teachers and 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 the crew. Was this when you became involved with the program or with rap snacks? How how do you come in to all? Yeah, that? well, yeah, I've been rocking with rap snacks since about the late 90s like 97 you know James and I met early on you know Rap Snacks started in 94 we met about two or three years after that maybe uh, and um, and we and we clicked from there you know I mean having you know energy is real you know energy is real and you and you gravitate towards those people who are of like mind and had share some of the same views and passions you know, um, and James already all, always talking about doing things in the community, working with youth, you know, and, um, and James is the stellar mentor, you know, James is the stellar mentor, you know, for, for, for people coming from where we come from, you know, young people, you know, and at that time, you know, James was like the, the big brother, you know, at that time, you know, the OG and still is to this day, you know, uh, and mentoring and, and showing you how to set, set up delivery systems for for your ideas and visions for the community, whether it's in the community work, uh, business, you know, your personal life as well, you know, so, so that was like a, it was, it was like dreams manifested. So what, what have you guys learned from being out there and, and seeing, you know, the other side now you are able to give back to the community? What kinds of things like, have you learned? Yeah, either one of you. <laughs> it's like James was saying, you know, about, you know, the extraction points, you know, once you move from the consumer side of the equation into the uh, ownership and business and commercial side of the equation. You, you know, you have market analysis and things of that nature that can now give you data for your sentiments and feelings, things you might've felt, but not understand what was really going on and that. But when you move to this other side, this ownership side, this business side of it, you start to understand the market Place. So you're going into a corner store, the same corner stores we were going in when we were children, and you're seeing 200, 300 different products in the store, and none of them are owned by anyone from the community or look like anyone from the community, right? So you immediately, you immediately start to realize that something's going on here. The, your money is being extracted out of your community at the point of purchase. As soon as you pay for something, the money's going to support the development of another community. You know, um, so with Boss Up, the idea was to develop programs around that that reality to uh, keep some of that the buying power circulating in our communities long enough to empower the people in the community that's spending the money. You know, so we developed programs around entrepreneurship, financial literacy, uh, investment club programs, distribution programs. You know, which all are pertinent in the uh, development of community economics. You know, it's it's really um, awesome to see that because I, I originally I'm from South Texas, and it's a it's a really poor it's like the poorest part of the country I think it's it's right on the border with Mexico, and I remember going to the corner store with a dollar food stamp that my mom would give me and say go get your snacks and I'm here counting like how much can I buy with this. Right. You know that there are programs now that can give that kid or a kid like me hope and say that money you're spending is going to come back and help your community. It's just, you know, it blows my mind because I, I don't think, you know, I don't think that's even in people's minds when they're counting their pennies at a store. 
thinking is going to come back to them. So you spend Absolutely. it a little bit, you know, you're a little bit more happy to spend it there. Absolutely. I remember that dollar food stamp white with the, with the declaration <laughs> of independence on it. I'll never forget that. Never forget those food stamps. Now, they get, now people pretend it's a credit card. <laughs> right, right. <Yeah. laughs> I, I know, guys, but what's important also, you know, you have a lot of companies that they try to give back, but they really are giving back to, you know, not to the, like, that money's not hitting the core of the yeah. problem. Yeah. Right? So with rap snacks, we know what the core of the problem is. You know, it's it's over extraction, right? It's not it's lack of information, lack of training, right? So that that's the difference. I mean, you know, you'll have all these big corporations there. Oh, I'm giving three million dollars to this and three million dollars to that. Where's the money going to? Right. <laughs> it just kind of vaporized, and we don't know where it went. Right. Absolutely. And so, like. These people that want to be involved in the BASA program, there are there steps? How does this work? Depends on your, loca your, your location. Some of the programs are, are going virtual now since the pandemic. Okay. So we've been developing investment clubs around our Stock Boss Up app. You know, Stock Boss Up is a free non-subscription-based platform for learning how to invest in the stock market. Uh, so that's a part of our financial literacy initiative and, you know, bringing people from our communities to the understanding of how the economy works and how to take control of their financial futures pretty much. So um, joining those platforms is an option um, as well as uh, the uh, programs that we're doing that are brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. Those are a little different. They're, they're location specific, like on HBCU campuses, we have Innovation Cafe, uh, which is uh, actual cafe that develops products with the, in conjunction with the, in collaboration with the students. So the students are basically developing products, flavor profiles and everything for the products that are sold in the, in the cafe with the potential to scale those products beyond the, ca beyond the campus. So those are brick and mortar and location specific, what as well as the youth programs. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so they're, they're youth programs, right? There's like, uh, I know I saw something about high school. Uh, and, in there. And, um, they're both youth and AC adults in continue, continuing education, you know, so, um, you know, everyone from single mothers to youth, you know, reentry programs as well, you know, uh, working with juvenile justice and other organizations to uh, def defer youth from uh, prison imprisonment to more uh, enriching programming. What, what do you say to someone who might hear this and say, but I'm just trying to get by every day. How do I even like have time to, you know, start some program? What if I'm not smart enough? Like, what do you say to someone who comes to you with that? What does get by every day look like? You know, yeah. and then you have to organize your day, you know, organize your day. You know, what are you doing that's consuming so much of your day, but not allowing you to, uh, to build yourself, to, to empower yourself in, in certain necessary ways? You know, that's what you have to do first, you know, do a, a scan of your, per, your your day and what does that day look like and why there's so many things congesting your day that's preventing you from, from seeking knowledge to expand your consciousness around your own personal development. In other words, no excuses. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Accept no. it, right? No, absolutely not. No excuses. I mean, is I, when I lived in Detroit, you know, there was some hard time. It was like in the early 90s, mid 90s. Um, 
it, it's not like Chicago where you have this public transportation to get places. If you don't have a car in Detroit, you really have a hard time getting to work. You know, people can lose their job if they don't get to work. So it's really a struggle. Most people I knew, including myself back then, had two jobs, you know, to just get by. So um, it's still possible, right? It just takes a lot more dedication. So dedication also takes putting yourself, surrounding yourself with people who are going where you're trying to go or are where you're trying to be. You know, uh, like, for example, we talked about education and not having enough education about being smart enough. Henry Ford, they said the same thing about Henry Ford. They said Henry Ford was ignorant. They said he had low education because he had about two or three months of education in his entire life. This is Henry Ford we're talking about. One of the richest men, one of the most innovative men, you know, uh, in, in the world. You know, however, Henry Ford knew that he needed to surround himself with people that had the information that he needed. He was good at organizing knowledge. That was his thing. I can organize this information by getting the right people in the room, you know, or being in the room with the right people. You know, that's how you learn. You learn from other people. It's like a lot of things that I've learned, you know, I've known things, but I've learned so much more being in this space with James Rap Snacks and everything. You know, it's sometimes you have to, you got to get out of your own box and get out of your way and get into spaces where people are going to be going. You know, it's like, you're not, you can't keep saying, okay, I'm, I'm having a hard time and I'm struggling and, and your, nine, your nine best friends are all in the streets and, and doing things that's going to keep you going in the, in, in the opposite direction of your dream. You know, uh, it's like they say, you're the average of the five people you hang around most. Hmm. So, so make sure you, you, you surround yourself with people who, who see where you're trying to go or where you are going where you're trying to go. That is so key. Absolutely. That is so key. That I mean, th that is so true. And I, and I love hearing that. Really, there are no excuses. Like, it doesn't matter where you're from, what you know, wh what you look like, what happened before you, what the people before you did. It's what you do from now on. It's, it's difficult. It's definitely difficult. I mean, uh, Trent, New Jersey, for example. You know, seven point five square mile. It's about eighty-eight thousand people there. You know, it's 11,000 people per square mile, and it's a 71% poverty rate at the high school. However, Trent, New Jersey had a lot of good programs. They had a lot of viable programs there for youth, you know, um, and youth would attend the programs, and some of them would, would seriously just clock, be clocked out in the program. Some of the programs were paying you to be there, you know? So my son, I put my son in one of the programs, you know, uh, and... He went through the program, he went through the entire program, and they will cut him a check at the end of the program after giving him valuable knowledge. They cut a check while his peers were arguing with the teachers, hmm. dropping out of the program before it even started, basically. You know, so sometimes it's up to you. You know, there's a lot of options out here. There are a lot of pathways you can take. You know, the programs are out here. You just have to be persistent and desire it. You know, everything starts with desire. You know, what do you desire? You know, what do you want? Now, um, of course, Rap Snacks and all the programs that you have get a lot of positive feedback. What type of negative feedback have you received, at, if at all, uh, about Rap Snacks, uh, the artists you work with, or even just what you're doing in the community? Any negative feedback, any like people out there who are saying, 
oh, this isn't working or that's just not good? Well, I mean, I, I can speak to that. I mean, a lot of the negative feedback was that people wasn't used to seeing somebody looks like them on the back of potato chips, right? So you change the whole narrative of almost like you know that you're worthy of representing a brand, mm. right? Because if you look at who represented the Afro-American brand in the past was Uncle Ben and your mama, right? It's been all of these mockeries of the Afro-American race that never stood for anything other than a mockery. And now you have rap snacks coming in, putting rappers and entertainers on their bags. And, you know, yes, you know, nobody's perfect. I mean, the artists, they have their little issues and like everybody else, but they're people. And if you see the good out of anything, you know, and rap snacks is, is showing that this is a positive image of, of you, basically of us. Right, and it's changed the narrative of, oh, you shouldn't have a black person on a bag, Cardi B. You shouldn't have a Hispanic person on a bag, right? It's, you know, it's just changed the narrative. Yeah. Anything that we've had, we've had issues like that because they're not used to people changing the game on them. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather see a billboard for rap snacks in Southwest Detroit from my family's from than the Newport ad that they used to have back in the day. Um, the worst cigarette that someone could smoke. That's the one they were, you know, advertising in, in, the, in the neighborhood. Right. And it, it's just, it seems like it was always the worst for, for our communities was the worst was being pushed and, and none of it was coming back other than, you know, by way of a health issue. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's because we kept a lot, we allowed that because, you know, that was the, that was the thing. They pushed everything to the poor communities because they had nobody that, they were knowledgeable enough to step up and say, hey, no, we're going to change this, you know? And, you know, speaking of having someone who, that's knowledgeable, it's also someone who's, um, you know, strong enough or gutsy enough to speak up. You know, we're seeing that right now with everything that's happening in the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, people, just, people are just, I think, are emboldened. Right. They are. I mean, you know, it, it just takes, it's, you know, sometimes it changes. It takes the change of the wind blowing in a different direction. You get me? That's where we're at right now. The wind is blowing in a different direction. The people are standing up and knowing that it's okay to speak up about things that you think that's not right. Because they just, every, if you don't speak up, they think it's like it's ordinary life. You know, racism for people that have experienced over the years, they felt like it was just something they had to deal with. Am I right, Laura? Absolutely. Yeah. And it came with a certain level of fear as well, you know, uh, because people would lose jobs, lose careers over speaking out, you know, on, on, on things that are real and really affecting, you know, not just themselves, but their families, communities and the world, you know, but the, the consequence was always the issue. Right. You know, um, but, but, you know, we didn't get here out of a vacuum. You know, uh, we didn't get to this moment right now. Didn't come out of a vacuum. It was a, uh, it was long. It was long. It was a process of getting to this point. You know, everything from the Me Too movement, you know, uh, even the LGBTQ movement. All of those movements, Occupy Wall Street. You know, uh, all of those movements yeah. kind of added up to this moment. You know, um, over time. 
you know, so we're here now, you know, we're here now. And like I said, people are speaking out and it's a good thing. You know, we, we just need to, to leverage it, take advantage, take full advantage of it while we can. And hopefully people will stay in this space, you know, um, and it won't just be a, a, a flash, you know. Yeah, right. I don't want it to fizzle out. Yeah, exactly. because yeah, it's exactly. easy to. It's necessary. It's very yeah. necessary. You know, and, and as a minority myself, I can only say this is that, and I've told this to my friends before, it's like, I, I cannot fully understand what it's like to be a black person in this country. I cannot, right? I can't, honestly cannot say that. But all I can say is that I stand, I stand with my brothers and sisters. That's what I can say. What are some things that you think that us um, people on, you know, like watching this happen really haven't really grasped yet? You know, like, I feel like a lot of times us minorities, like Latinos, want to kind of group ourselves in there, but I really still feel that we don't get it 100%. Yeah, you, you know, you have to go back to 1619 and that process of chattel enslavement, you know, the, 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 that process was a dehumanizing process. It was a process that, that not only only cut us off from culture and heritage, but all aspects of identification. So we had no way to identify with what we were. So we, or with who we were or where we were from. So we went through a process of having our consciousness falsified. So at the end of that process, you end up with a Eurocentric worldview with an African body that's a conflict of interest. So you'll find yourself conflicted on issues that affect your very life on every level, you know? So um, that is a process that no one has went through except us really, you know, in this space. And that's pretty much what brought us here. So we're conflicted all the time. So with this European psycho psychology, we can't be European still. You know, we can't be European still. You know, it's like, for example, Barack Obama. You know, Barack Obama is of mixed origin, you know. He has a Caucasian mother and an African father. But he can't say he's white. Right. You know, regardless to his entire cultural identity being Eurocentric. You know, his entire view of the world being Eurocentric. Mm -hmm. He can't. But it's also perception, right, by everyone around you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so that's one thing that I would think is unique that we deal with regularly. And these things play out. The processes of dehumanizing Black lives played out at every institutional level, at, in every institution in the United States, you know, in every industry, whether it was entertainment, medicine, you know, uh, real estate, everything, you know, this dehumanizing process. I mean, just think real estate, for example, property values were based on whether the people were black or not. You know, if you, if, you know, if a black person moved into the community, they, it, they would drop the value of the homes in that community just because of a black person, you know, so they've actually created a value system where we, we were considered of lesser value just on the strength of being black. So that's something that, you know, we've dealt with uniquely and still deal with, you know, our entire communities are still redlined, you know, on the same level. So 
you know. It's, it's I, I really appreciate you getting into that. I know it's, um, you know, a lot of people will probably not address that. It seems uncomfortable to some people to talk about that. Um, but I think it's really important for us, you know, in these day and times to be very open about these conversations and to be open about what each side is feeling or what each person is feeling and per perceiving. Sometimes we're part of institutions that think they're really on board and supporting all these movements, but some of their subtle actions and words are really saying the contrary to that, you know, or their inaction, so to speak. And I see you nodding, Mr. Lindsay. <laughs> no, I said, I mean, you're right on point because, you know, that's the, that's the core of the issues we're having. You know, people are saying they're supporting, but when we really look at it, you know, it, it's really this, you know, my, it's lip service. Yes, lip service. And I'm glad that Wrap Snacks is lip service, but it's a, the good kind, the kind we get to eat. Um, you guys really are doing something in the community. And I, I just love your, your company, your product, your, you know, the work that you're doing. I just think it, it needs to be talked about more. Like I, I read about you, I knew about you, and I'm like, why isn't this everywhere? Why, is, why aren't people talking about this more? It's, and we, we always feel like we're, we're kind of the underground, you know, um, action-based organization, you know, and we feel like people are catching on, you know, in due time. Yeah. When you're out here doing the work, you know, um, you know, you don't really have time to brag about what you're doing. So yes. It means a lot in our communities because a lot of times we go to something, we go to someone and we depend on them and then they're gone. But to know that you guys are there and you're still working on this and you're keep, you know, pushing it forward, looking at new ideas, you know, now you have the noodles, now you're expanding to you know, you're at Walmart now and some Walmarts, you're expanding to bigger markets, maybe hoping to go international now. Um, and always including new artists, like you said. I, I think that's what gives people hope. Like, you know, they're here to stay. That's important. That's important. So thank you so much for sticking around with me today for a little while. Um, I wish I could have you all day, but hopefully we catch up again some other time. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. God bless you. God bless you as well. Yeah. 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 Y